Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft. I'm here tonight after the Ben Standig Classic. Georgetown beat UMBC 70-62, to and I am with the man from The Athletic and from the Last Man Standing podcast, Ben, who I believe recently celebrated a birthday. What's up, Ben? Uh, technically, it's a standing room only podcast. The, the last what, man. What did I say? Last man standing. That's the name of all my fantasy football teams. Oh um, my bad. Did you have a podcast what? like that with the the sports capital? Um, I think it was also called the standing room only podcast. But yeah, my um, bad. No, that's quite all right. I appreciate the, the nod. <laughs> you you dubbed this game the the, the, the Ben Standard Classic since it's my alma mater against the team I cover the most. Uh, so it's all good. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, including Dan Snyder. And uh, yeah, let's uh, we 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 have some college. I, it's hard to believe we were watching college basketball. Like I had to, especially since it was at McDonough. I was like, is this real? Like seriously, is this actually happening, or is this just like my hallucination here? So you weren't hallucinating, at least for that reason. Uh, Georgetown yeah. opens up the season. They snap a two-game losing streak at McDonough. So they're back to their winning ways on campus. Uh, real quick, Javon Blair was a game-high 23 points, took 22 shots to get there. Newcomer from Mount St. Mary's and Siena, Donald Carey, had 13. 11 of those came early. Cutis Wahab had 12 and 12 rebounds, and he was kind of limited to basically a half a basketball because of foul trouble. And Jamarco Pickett got into double figures, although he shot 3-4-15. UMBC, who as we know last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago, shocked the world. Well, I guess two tournaments ago, shocked shock the world. Um if you are a DMV basketball fan, they had Shantae Rogers' son, who, I mean, Shantae Rogers was a small player. He was A-10 player of the year, I think, in 99 or 98. His son, pretty good, made some shots, team high 13 for the Retrievers. Man, he looked like he was like like 4'10". Yeah, he, he looked incredibly small, even for... If you tell me it's Sante Rogers' kid, it still yeah. was like, wow, that that guy looks uh, small. But like, if you tell me there's a Sante Rogers relative kid on the court, that kid will be the most interesting player on the court, and that was, that was probably the case tonight. At least I thought so. Uh, he he was fun, but yeah, uh, um, just, just didn't quite have enough. Uh, didn't quite have enough help. So before we get to your film breakdown that I know that you want to get to, sure. There's just so many – I've got a bunch of stuff written down here. There's just so many non-basketball observations, and I don't know if I should run through them or we can just go through them point by point. But first of all, this was the first game uh, in Georgetown basketball since John Thompson Jr. passed away. The last time the – the way I tweeted it before the game is I said that's the first game – Georgetown men's basketball has played without some sort of John Thompson Jr. influence, meaning either he was the coach, you know, for Craig Eschrick, you could say he was a mentor. For John Thompson III, it's obviously his son. Patrick Ewing, another mentor. Um, you know, I know that he held a position at Georgetown still. 
you know, until the day that he died, I believe. But it was the first time since March of 72 <laughs> that Georgetown played a game that he wasn't involved with. And they've named the court after him. I, I, I don't know if that's going to follow them when they play their games at Capital One Arena. But at least at McDonough, the court's named after him. Um, uh, Patrick Ewing, along with many other coaches, uh, even Dick Vitale was on TV today with the paying homage with the towel over the right shoulder, which was John Thompson Jr.'s signature move. So, you know, we're used to going to Kenner League every summer and seeing him sitting over there in that that oversized uh, wooden chair. So just kind of, you know, it's just kind of surreal still, I think, even though he passed away in August, that this is, you know, this is this is real, right? Yeah, I mean, seeing his name on the court was, uh, I, I, I mean, if it, if it was announced before that happened, I mean, or I don't know, maybe it was, I, I don't know. I, it I wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't. Uh, okay, so yeah, when I saw that, I mean, I totally get it, but just to see it was sort of, you know, obviously with so many things in 2020, you know, because we're all cooped up in our own little worlds, even though, like, obviously, it was, you know, I'm aware he passed away. It was a big deal for me personally, just because of, um, you know, as somebody who grew up, you know, a fan of the program and then professionally having gotten to know him, um, it was a big deal. But like that, it felt like on some level like that, you know, and I also watched as you did the uh, the virtual um, ceremony that they had for him for his passing. But like it, it, some re- for some reason, like seeing his name on the court really was like, oh, damn, this really <laughs> this is really uh, this really happened. Like this is a you know, this is a, a you know, a, a new day, as you're sort of pointing out for this program and um yeah i don't know, it'd be interesting to see what they do with the, the verizon center or the capital one arena um you know it is a different court a physical court for georgetown than it is the wizards uh so you know but i, I guess it's a i guess it's a 2021 22 uh thing we won't have to worry about that for literally another year uh or we won't have any idea about it at this point yeah so that um you know I've always thought that college, ba- not just college basketball, but basketball coaches in general, I know it's a thing and I'm sure that the guys like doing it, particularly Jay Wright. Everyone always, you know, talks about how great he looks in a suit. But I really think that this is how college basketball and just basketball coaches in general should look. Kind of like when you go to one of these uh, preseason tournaments and, you know, Ewing was wearing a polo. That just makes sense to me. Like, I think this is something that should come out of this to be the norm um, it looks kind of funny when Huggins does it and no one else does it. I get that, but I think that they can all kind of get into this. So, you know, Ewing's looking casual, no pun intended. Obviously, there's no fans, there's no media, but the comfort food was there. If you're a local, if you're a local, you know, to hear Buck Hans and Monica McNutt on TV, and then I made sure to check out what uh, Rich sounded heading into his 47th year, which is just amazing. He was at the 106.7 studios. Um, you know, there's just so much going on. But to me, from, you know, from Buck Hans being a local for, I think it was Fox WTTG locally, the sports director, and then he was the voice of the Wizards forever. I feel like it, even though it was at Kenner, I'm sorry, even though it was at McDonough and it felt like a Kenner League game, I really think Buck Hans, if you're watching on TV, made it seem like a bigger event. Well, it felt, yeah, I mean, it felt more, did you say comfort food? I mean, it felt like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it felt like something we were used to as opposed to, you know, generic announcer and, and, and former random player who have no connection to anything like, and that's the thing, right? Because 2020 is, 
you know, such a disaster on every level. And like, it is still hard to wrap my brain around the fact that college basketball has happened, even though this is essentially on time for it, more or less, it's just, you know, there's a really no lead up and the whole, everything is weird. So at least you're having, and of course, just being at McDonough is bizarre realistically. So like, so you're having that combination there on the announcing side, we, as two people that we, you know, know personally, uh, you know, it, 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 it helps ease me into the season. It felt like I was eavesdropping on two people, um, <laughs> you know, that, that I know having a conversation about basketball. So, so that did help as opposed to, and, and obviously like Monica is a former Georgetown player. She, she's really, she certainly knows the program and, you know, however much Buckant was or wasn't watching Georgetown, like you said, he's been around here forever. So like, it wasn't like bringing in two random people who, who just studied game notes completely and had no real sense, you know, of, of the, uh, of a situation. But by the way, I will say just to sort of add to that, you know, at halftime, I don't know if you watched halftime, but they did like a breakdown of like where Georgetown's program is. It was uh, Jimmy Jackson, Casey Jacobson. And I want to say Rob Stone was the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the host. And normally those segments are really, you know, cookie cutter nonsense. I thought they actually gave a really good assessment of where things are realistically with Georgetown, you know, some, some fluffery, but for the most part, I thought they actually did a pretty good job. And I think that sort of helped also bring this in. It wasn't just some, you know, they, they weren't just like blowing sunshine up. They, oh, they have four freshmen and a bunch of transfers. We'll see what happens. It's like, nah, there's, you know, there, 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 there's a reason why they're picked to be sort of towards the bottom. And, you know, if things didn't work out for Ewing with the last year because of the transfers, we'll see what happens going forward. But like, I, I, for me personally, I thought it was like also a pretty good assessment and, and, and therefore, uh, you know, um, a good, a, a, you know, it, it, it was a good way to, to lead into the, to help lead into the season. So actually I missed that. Um, there was too much, too much life happening at my house at that moment. Um, I, I carved out halftime to try and help put the Christmas lights on the tree. And um, between there being a knot and having a three-year-old, halftime went basically like snapping your fingers. I didn't accomplish my task. I definitely did not. He Actually, I came back to the game pretty late. I'm sure if you're listening, you it's possible you follow me on Twitter. Maybe you've muted me. But I don't think I tweeted in the second half because I was behind. I was behind by a lot until I think I caught up like in like the final eight minutes or something. And by the way, not being at the game just feels weird for me between like I used to go as a kid and then I had tickets when I got out of college and I've been covering the team for, I think this will be my 10th year. Uh, the stats are ahead of the game. So even when you're live and you have the stats up on your computer, it's ahead and it's hard not to look at it. I don't know if you had this problem. I struggle with it. <laughs> I don't know how to fix this. Um, wait, I, I sort of lost the trail out there. What what was your issue? The stats are a little bit ahead of the game when oh, you're at home. Oh, I didn't. I, I got you. I was not. I wasn't looking at those. I was. I was watching. Just watching it. So I yeah. I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing that. Um, it, it, you know, it's weird. Like this is a year we we see this constantly. Right in college football the other day, the Wisconsin Minnesota game was canceled because of COVID, which meant that. It, that had been the longest running annual matchup. I think it was a I don't know a hundred years or yeah. whatever it is, and that's not happening. So that's we're seeing that constantly. So yeah, this will be for me. I don't know exactly how many years it is. I have to do the math, but 
presumably this will be the first year in X years that I won't have been to a, a game as, as media. Um, because yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe it's possible in the second half of the year we'll be allowed in, but I'm assuming no. Um, yeah, but well, the whole thing is, <laughs> everything is weird. Uh, <laughs> stats, the game, the court, uh, <laughs> everything is uh, is weird. Probably the one thing that was also normal was Georgetown not, uh, I, as I told you, I had to walk away uh, the last couple minutes and I hadn't had a chance to go back to watch it, but seeing Georgetown almost blow a game late uh, was also, it was not weird. That That seemed almost uh, normal. Yeah, we haven't actually talked about the basketball. I'll tell you this. For, you know, we've been talking, you've had you've been on this podcast, you know, more than anyone. And when we always talk about the season that would eventually happen, it's like, well, they have so many new guys and it's going to be weird. But then when it actually happened, it was like, holy hell, this is weird. Right? Like, okay, there's Blair, there's Pickett. I know Wahab started the last, you know, seven or eight games because your seven was hurt last year, but he's still kind of, you know, he's he's still pretty new. But, you know, to not have any other seniors that have been in school with them, um, you know, your entire junior class is gone. And of the sophomores, really only Wahab played. Ego F.A. played a little bit, like, in emergencies. Malcolm Wilson made his debut tonight. He had a nice dunk before the half before that great halftime show that I guess I missed. Although I think I DVR'd it, so I could probably go back and listen. But um yeah, it's just just, you know, it you know, I said this is like the most mysterious team, you know, in Georgetown, modern Georgetown history, you know, and it really is. And it's gonna take a little bit till you sort of, you know, know who's who. I mean, at least on my feed, based on their haircuts, I know obviously they wear different numbers, but when you squint, I feel like Blair and Donald Carey don't look totally different um you know pickett's got that headband it's almost like i want everyone to kind of just wear a different color headband so i can easily easily pick them out but it was weird it it was it was really weird and of course it's georgetown i know you make fun of me because when we you know in normal times i'll get to the game super early and i'll kind of just like post up outside when they're warming up because we get burned so much where it's like, oh, so-and-so's in a suit. Oh, so-and-so's not here. So I kind of just sit there and just wait, right? And shocker, you know, Chudier Bile, who most people thought, or not most people, but a lot of people thought had a chance at starting. Okay, he doesn't start. Okay, he doesn't play. He's hurt. And then Ewing's biggest recruit from Oak Hill, Jamari Sibley, the one four-star, he doesn't play at all. And, you know, Ewing just says, oh, I just didn't play him. He's not hurt. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. One, one, one game in. I know people were, you know, tweeting at me and saying, oh, you know, what's, oh, this is terrible, blah, blah. Like, we have no idea. We have no idea what it is. But it does, it does seem to happen a lot. So I mean, like from that, that from that standpoint, you're like, oh, we're right, we're right back in it. This, this is Georgetown basketball. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. Uh, the, 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 the sibling now playing part is definitely curious a lot of levels we can come back to that but like yeah i mean watching the game like you know blair and Pickett, like okay we've seen them a lot obviously over the last few years so so we're familiar with them but everything else and the fact that neither one of those guys like i was taking a few notes during the game and uh you know i if you've ever heard me on this or other podcasts or ever talked to me about college basketball i always say you know my favorite thing is watching a guy over four years 
develop from being, you know, a, you know, kind of a, maybe an afterthought or a total role player to being like a, a real, you know, like a leader star of the team. And, you know, I think Blair obviously had a, you know, relatively speaking, a good game, a lot of shots to get a lot of points, but you know, that's kind of what he's been and Pickett, you know, still sort of enigmatic. And I, my, my note was basically that Blair and Pickett look like totally solid role players, which is a reasonable thing, except for the problem that George Sands going to need them to be a lot more for this year, based on what we know so far. And, you know, it's because everybody else looked in one game like, uh, okay, I don't, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, nothing, nothing jumped out particularly fascinating and, um, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, look, there was no. I said to you earlier, like that this game was a McDonough. It's like we're getting the Kenner League that was canceled, and and that's the thing. We didn't have Kenner leagues. So we didn't get a chance to see any of these guys to have any sense of who they are. Um, effectively, there was no, you know, no real media day in any traditional sense. Obviously, um, I, you know, I mean, you just have no idea. And just to have so much turnover, and then like you said, coupled with Ewing doesn't play the one guy who everybody was sort of anticipating. What what happened to Bile? I missed that. What What's his deal? So bad reporting by me. I got, you know, I asked Ewing about it, about him and Sibley. And in an effort to get all my questions in, he said Bile was hurt. Sibley was a DNP coach's decision, you know. And then it's like I was going back and I'm like, well, wait, what's the injury? So, and look, it wasn't just me. No one else followed up, okay? But that was terrible. You know, maybe if you'd been there, you'd been able to clean up that mess. But we got that he's hurt. That's clearly not enough information. But, you know, it's not his fault. He wasn't wasn't given the follow-up question. I wanted to talk about Kobe Clark, and then I wanted to talk about turnovers. And then I'm like, oh, God, I never, you know, I put my hand up again, but then it was, you know, it's, you know, it's whatever. Uh, so we do not know his injury. Um, if he does not play against Navy, uh, on Tuesday, December 1st, I will definitely be able to remember to ask the follow-up of what is wrong with him. Navy, by the way, beat the GW Colonials today. So I don't know what's going on in Foggy Bottom, but that's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. I would say a Patriot team beating an A-10 team. You know, I guess, you know, maybe everything's off right now, but that still, I think, for me, raises a little bit of, oh, maybe Navy's a little bit better than you think. But getting back to the Kenner League aspect of all of this, tell me I'm an idiot, which is fine. You've done that many times. But don't you feel like in a Kenner League-type situation, which is what they're doing, that Georgetown could, in one week, lose to Coppin State, but in the next week, beat Duke? just because it's such a weird setting. Like, does that make any sense at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the classic, you know, play up or down to the level of your, of your opponent. And, um, you know, the one, the only thing caveat I would maybe make this year is I, again, it's one game. It's a weird year. I'm not going to make too many, I'm not going to extrapolate too much, even though the prediction is that Georgetown is going to be last in the Big East, so we have some sense of where this team may be. But this is one of the things they also talked about at, at the halftime that you missed was just the idea of who's scoring for this team. Like, that, like you know, we talk about the defense a lot, but, like, who's getting points? And that, I think, is going to be a factor. I mean, you know, to, to you know anybody scoring on UMBC, my alma mater, you know, not that much of a challenge 
realistically. But when you go up against these better teams who have guys, you know, NBA-level players or, or, or potential NBA players who can p- score, like, how, where is that coming? So, you know, we'll see. Maybe if, if the two guys who didn't play are available, then maybe that changes some things. And, again, it is just the first game. But, like, I think that's, like, a big question. You know, we, we talked about how weird this team looks. I'd have to go back and look. But, like, you know, there's the, the year when, like, when, when it, the year when, when it went from JT3 to Ewing was a transition, but you still had Derrickson and Govan, two guys who could get 20 points on any given night, but like an easy 20. You know what I mean? I don't mean just what, – what did you say, Blair had 23 on 22 shots or something? Yeah. Yeah, I don't mean like – you know what I mean? Like, a, you know, a pretty natural a natural 20. That 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 guy or, or, or multiple guys, I don't know if that's going to exist right now or this year, and that's going to make – so to, I'm just saying to your point that yes, I totally agree with you. Normally, I, I just don't know. We'll have to see on the up at, upside. How do they? How do they keep up with teams that can score? I think that's you know, if I had one question right off the bat, that seemed to be that seemed to be one for sure. Yeah, and whether it's Sibley or it's you know Clark, um, T.J. Berger was the other freshman that didn't play. Uh, Colin Holloway played two minutes, scored three points. But yeah, I think you are looking for one more guy that can sort of fill it up. And Allen last year got to that level, right? Um, what did you think about the Harrises? So they started Jalen Harris from Arkansas. I think he was at New Mexico first, then he was at Arkansas, and now he's at Georgetown. Started him. Uh, I think that was pretty, you know, sorry, going back, Ewing did not tell us his starters the other day. I didn't think he would, but I think everyone kind of figured out who the starters would be. There was no surprises there, unless you thought Bile might play the four and pick it with the three, but it's basically, you know, carrier Bile. But, um, so, you know, six assists, game high, that's pretty good. He played 26 minutes. Um, he had the best plus minus on the team. But coming in, it was like, well, he can't really shoot. He sort of showed that tonight. He was over six. Uh, 0 for 1 from deep. And then Dante Harris was the first sub, which was kind of surprising, but I think it probably had a lot to do with the fact that uh, Darnell Rogers was on the court. So, you know, Georgetown kind of matched with their smaller point guard as well. He's not not a big time recruit, but, you know, he looked like he's got something to him. I think I could definitely see him being, being, being a player, but those are kind of the two guys that are replacing Allen and Mosley. What did you think about those guys? Um, yeah, you know, and just to sort of like, for me, no matter what, I always like, I need to see, I need to see players before I completely buy into whatever the recruiting labels are or, you know, whatever. And, um, so, you know, I, I thought like, I thought those guys showed some good things with like regards to like a feel for the game and passing, but you mentioned, uh, Harris, the starter 0 for 6 from the field, uh, no points, you know, I mean, uh. Uh, again, it's one game and all that, but yeah, I mean, you got to be able to, you know, w- w- it'll be easy to figure out in a few games. We'll be saying, you know, it's hard to keep him on the court when he can't make a shot, that type of thing. But again, it's one game and we'll see, but you, you, like you said, his reputation maybe isn't, uh, isn't that of a, um, a score, uh, much of a shooter. Um, yeah. The other Harris, I thought he had a pretty good entry pass. I noted like early in the game, I want to say it was to Ego FA. I want to think uh, maybe I'm wrong on who was one of the big men, but he had a good entry past one of the big men and then turned and, and, and scored. Um, you know, I mean, uh, I thought I did okay. I, I guess this is a, his, this guy's last name is not Harris, but uh, Clark seemed interesting. I mean, he got 10 rebounds, not a big man. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's certain statistics 
certain attributes that, you know, it doesn't really, you know, it, it, it seems like it can transfer from game to game and getting, you know, having a nose for rebounds, the hustle and all that. I think that's, that's a, that's an interesting trait to have for somebody, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, Perry McDonald a hundred years ago was basically a six, four power forward uh, because he played a lot bigger than the size. So I'm not saying that's what we're looking at here, but I just, that, that, that seemed to be of notice note to me that, you know, it's one, it's one thing a guy can come out and hit some threes. That could be streaky, but getting 10 rebounds, that seems like something that maybe, maybe not the number, but just the nose for the board, the nose for the ball seems like something that could be interesting uh, going forward. And not even just getting 10 rebounds. Like, he did it in 12 minutes. That's almost, that you know, that, that seems oh, wow. rather. Oh, wow, that few minutes. Wow, yeah. Yeah, he basically got a rebound a minute. Now, yeah, Georgetown out-rebounded the, the smaller retrievers, 58-38, but that's pretty big number you know Blair had a career high eight eight rebounds Pickett also had eight rebounds it was pretty much rebounding by committee but yeah I think what Kobe Clark did and asked Ewing about that and Ewing was you know I really like his energy his intensity in practice so I think we're going to see a lot more of him but I think just after this 40 minute game I think that two of the more interesting players going forward are Clark because of what we saw in 12 minutes and Sibley is still out there as this thing that you don't know what, you know, as fans, as media, as observers, you don't know what you have with this guy. And I think if Georgetown wants to be a team that exceeds the 11th place prognostications, I think Sibley's going to have to be able to give them something, maybe give them kind of what Pickett gave them when he was a freshman. You know, there was nights where Pickett did stuff. You're like, wow, you know, I could see two and done. You know, obviously he's still here in year four, but there was things that he did um, alongside, you know, Jesse and Marcus that was like, okay, this is like another guy. So I think that they're going to need that from him. Uh, as far as the big men go, I think, you know, Wahab was in foul trouble. He wasn't in foul trouble that often last year. So I don't think that's a major concern um, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're worried about what, what happened tonight. But, you know, if he played, if he played a little bit longer, you're probably looking at like a, you're probably looking at like a 16 and 16 type of uh, situation from him. So, I don't think that there's a problem there. And I will say this: I pointed it out. You know, you know, I like to get on these these rabbit holes of stats and trends and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I usually at some point tweet during a game is, if Georgetown's not nearing 80 points, they're kind of sunk. Um, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I know last year. When Georgetown scored 73 or fewer, they were 0 and 14. So tonight they had 70. This was at 70 points is actually the third lowest output in Ewing's three years plus one game where they've won a game. They've won a game with 68, they've won a game with 69, and they've won a game with 70. Under Ewing, it's pretty much been a, you know, you got to score 80 to give yourself a chance. So they did win a different way tonight. If you're looking at something positive. Um, you know, they found a way to hold them to 62 and 70 was enough. 70 is rarely enough for a Patrick Ewing team to win. So I think that's, that's gotta be a positive. Um, sure. Um, it has <laughs> you know, to be. I mean, because if, if you're a team that's like, like we're trying to figure out how they're going to score. So the other way to combat that is to hold your opponent lower, right? Like there's two, you know, there's, there's two ways of doing that. Sure, sure. I guess I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, you know, I, I don't know what the, where this UMBC team is, um, 
you know, again, it's just such a bizarre year on every front. Nobody had, you know, the standard or requisite uh, warm-ups to to get going here. So, yeah, I mean, I I guess I just don't know where where UMBC ranks. I mean, uh, Shantae Rogers' kid, you know, was was getting buckets, but I don't, you know, I I don't know. So, yeah, sure. I mean, it's better than the alternative. If you only score 70, the other team scores more and you lose, that's a bad thing. So, sure. I mean, uh, look, I think Wahab, you know, looks like he can be – a bit of an intimidating presence in the paint. By the way, I thought the real Wahab story was the what they have some mutton chops going on. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I thought that was a good look for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, if if certainly, I mean, you have been the biggest uh, observer of their general bad defense in the Ewing era or these defense not living up to the, to the, to the hype of a, of a Patrick Ewing kind of team. So sure. It's a potentially good sign. If this is something that's transferable moving forward uh, to what, what, when they're facing teams that have, you know, more potent, uh, more potent weapons. So um, sure. I mean, look at the end, at the end of the day, they won, as you pointed out, they lost the last tw- two, two, two times at McDonough. And, you know, we've seen Georgetown get off to some rough starts. And one way or another, they got the W. And to some degree, that's, you know, that's what matters. And they have a chance on in the next game against a Navy team, just based on you know, historic where they at. You know, they, they, I would imagine Georgetown's favorite going into this game. So, you know, getting off to Ooh. a 2-0 start. What, no? No, I'm just saying, speaking of being favored, I don't bet. But I thought Georgetown favored by 13 was – Whew, it seemed high. I think in my preview, I had Georgetown winning by six or something, which is about what happened. I thought I thought it'd be a little bit more high scoring because, again, you know, <laughs> I think for Georgetown to win, so I think I had I think I had the game more like eighty, like eighty one seventy five or something because I just think they have to hit eighty to win. But you know, man, if if someone had asked me like, you have any gambling advice today? I'd be like, thirteen seems like a big number in McDonough. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the McDonough experience has definitely been, uh, being dicey for them to, uh, to say the least. Um, so it's, it sounds like you're channeling Ewing here a little bit. So I'm going through the, all the, all of my transcribing of, of what he said. So he said, we missed a lot of open shots. One of the things I kept telling the guys is that in the games that we're going to be playing in the future, we have to make these wide open shots. (laughs) So that's kind of getting to your point of, you know, look, against the better teams, you're gonna you're gonna need to you're gonna need to score more. Right. Well, I mean, look, I mean, just to to look at the stats really quick, uh, Blair, Pickett, and Harris, so three guys are going to be touching the ball a fair amount. They went twelve for forty three. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Twelve for forty-three. I mean, obviously that's terrible. Any game, but it's again, it's really bad at home against. Well, I guess the at-home part almost doesn't even matter anymore. But terrible against a team that you obviously, even though Georgia picked to be last in the Big East, you know you should be a favored by. You should have that, you know more athletes on the court, so on and so on. So yeah, I mean that that's the type of thing that looks like, you know, that that makes me question some of the situation, um, for sure. But I don't know. Look, you know what? I'll just say this. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't believe you're, you're a fan of the television show, Big Brother. Uh, I have never watched it. Yeah. So uh, we didn't know that they were going to have an episode or have a season this, this year because of uh pandemic. And they did. And, and generally speaking, it's a very hit or miss kind of a show. It's, it's a, it's a goofy watch regardless, but it's like, you know, whatever. So I, there's a, 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 a podcast that I watch that has that talked about written reality shows. And when it was announced, like the guy who like the main host said, look, to the producers, like, look, we're going to complain. This is what we do. We analyze it. We think about it. But just so you know in advance, we're just going to say this now. Thank you for having a season, right? So yeah. I, that's sort of how I'm how I'm approaching this right now. I have no idea how long college basketball is going to be able to last or how many games are going to be able to go off without a hitch. Uh, you know, we've seen college football, you know, things get, get getting uh, canceled or postponed all over the place. So who knows what's going to happen? All I know is it was a game today. Georgetown played. They ended up winning. <laughs> and both of those statements, a game played in Georgetown winning. We'll see how many times we say that this year. We were able to say it today. So I don't want to over, get like overly critical as I'm wont to do. But, you know, they got it done. And, uh, you know, that's something. And, we'll, you know, they, they obviously have to improve in certain areas. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. Okay. So... Uh-oh. You know that there's times where I just can't help myself, right? I've heard about this. Yeah. So, and there, there's going to be nights, well, really this year, because of, I'm sure, the condensed schedule, all those are going to be cancellations. Oh, and speaking of that, uh, we'll pin this thought for a second, but uh, asked um, UMBC coach, you know, what he thought of, you know, what was it like? you know, leading up to the game when every time you look at your phone, other games are getting canceled. And what was it like when you actually played? And he said that he, he, he walked into the, into the locker room and just, you know, it's obviously Thanksgiving Eve right now, but what, you know, wrote thankful on the board and just talked about like how we have to be so thankful for everyone that sacrificed that, you know, in every different aspect of life, the fact that like we can do what we're doing and we can do it right now during this time. And, just all that, you know, going into it. So that kind of goes along with what you're just saying with the whole big brother and all this stuff. So he, you know, he was out there saying that, but um, as far as me not being able to help myself, there's a lot of ex Georgetown players in college basketball. Okay. Like Akinjo didn't play tonight. LeBlanc didn't play tonight. Antoine Walker played for Rhode Island. He was involved in a good game. He looked really good. And, you know, there's that kid at Texas Tech that I sort of got tired of at the end of last year when it was just like every every time the wind was blowing, you didn't know was he going to the pro, was he gonna go to stay at Georgetown, where you know, all that stuff. But it was against a bad opponent. But when you watch him a little bit and you think like, oh, you know, this could be on this team or not not even necessarily him, but just another player like him that's, you know, dynamic. So what do you think the move is here? Is is the move to watch Texas Tech, to watch Arizona, to watch LSU, to watch Rhode Island? Is it to just try and, you know, pretend it's not happening? What would you say is the best way? And not just for me, but, you know, for Georgetown fans. Like, do you think it's going to be, you know, it's like, like sort of like watching your girlfriend, like go on dates with other guys? Like, what is, what is the whole deal? Um, you know, I think it's a matter of, to use your girlfriend analogy is how did you feel about the breakup? 
Yeah. Did you feel that like even if you took two steps backwards, it's eventually going to help you move forward, and therefore you were you think that for you you're better off without this, or is it the opposite? The oh my god, I can't believe she left. How did I let her go? This is terrible. I can't bear to watch. Then you have to make a call. Um, I, I will say this: that like I, I, um, I think I saw this. I was looking through my phone earlier while I was um, out, and uh, I'm pretty sure I saw the reason I saw the Mac McClung, some Mac McClung highlight, was because Patrick Mahomes retweeted it because <laughs> he's a noted yeah. Texas Tech alum, and, I, and that's the type of thing. I was like, oh boy, it's 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 not just that your girlfriend is somewhere like he's dating the best NFL player. Uh, in in the in the world uh, right now, so uh, that part's a bit uh, that that part's a bit tough. Uh, you know, look, I guess, like I said, it just sort of depends where what your viewpoint is. You know, on on the Akinjo and McClung thing are slightly different to some degree. Like the Akinjo, we still don't quite know have the, the full story of exactly how things went down. But you know, look, Georgetown was playing better right when after he left. They just had all the injuries last year and yeah. things fell apart. But like they were actually playing better, which isn't to say that Akinjo is not a good player. It's just maybe it was working out for them. The McClung part, though, feels different, right? Because of all we talked about last year, why did he leave? Ewing said he's coming back. That seemed to ruffle some feathers. Uh, the injury, was that handled appropriately? You know, those types of things. I think that's the one that's maybe a little more frustrating because was he, was, I mean, was McClung leaving? Otherwise, I, you know, I don't know, but uh, that that that's the one I think is a little tougher to deal with. Antoine Walker, you know, guys transfer all the time, uh, but yeah, I think McClung and Akinjo, at least for me, would feel different. But I get it if it's going to be difficult to to, to watch. Uh, look, he, he, you know what I would watch when, when you when you can't watch if you can't watch McClung and Akinjo, just go find Ryan Matumbo YouTube videos and just watch that. <laughs> yeah, no, and. Uh... I forgot to even mention, and he didn't. I didn't see any of the game, but I did check the box score. So if you remember, right around the time when Akinjo LeBlanc and all those guys left, uh, Terrence Williams, who was like their big recruit locally from Gonzaga, decided not to sign a letter of intent. And now he's with uh, Juwan Howard at Michigan. He didn't play a whole lot, so you know you have no idea what the deal is. I don't know if Michigan's loaded. I think they're ranked twenty fifth or twenty fourth or something. But that's 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 another one. It just seems like I can never, and that's because what happened last year never really happens. There might be like one guy you could keep your eye on and say, "I wonder how it's working out for so and so." But to have like all these guys, like basically all over the country, um, it's you know it's unusual, right? It's just unusual. So this is like a first time of, you know, how do you deal with it? And I think I, th- I you know, I, I think Texas Tech, LSU, and Arizona are all going to be schools that are kind of ranked, which means more of their highlights are out there. Um, I guess what the way I look at it is, and I know it's not a perfect way, like, it's not like a perfect outlook, but I think it's one thing to lose one of those guards. When you end up losing them both, I think, for whatever the reason, it you know what I mean? It's just that, like, you say, okay, you had these two really good guards. Maybe they, they they couldn't coexist. But then when one leaves, you're just like, and then the other leaves. It's just like, wow. You know? And, and, and by the and, way, like, yeah, and, and we're talking about, like, those guys who last were transfer, as transfers. You know, they also, from that team last year, 
and this goes to the point of like just how different things look. You, you lose um, Mosley right now. He was graduating, so that was different. But like he right. was just like, he's one of those guys I talked about before. He goes from like a you know smaller role player when he starts to being a real kind of leader, and he was obviously an emotional leader of this team last year. Just gave them a lot of confidence on the court at all times. And then you had Yurt Seven, who uh, you know was, he left early. Kind of we all kind of figured he would be a one one and done kind of guy here anyway. Yeah. So he left early, and now he's you know sort of on the NBA circuit. But you know when and he was hurt late in the year, but when he played, you know he was just totally solid. You could see he could make per, play professional ball for for ten years in some level because uh, he just absolutely had some you know, really positive traits, fundament good fundamentals, and right you know and then so you lose those two guys on top of the other stuff. Those other the guards are flashier. These guys are solid, and like it's like they they just you know. It's just hard to replace that too. I mean, uh, and so yeah. I mean, it's it's look. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a an interesting year to say the least. And interesting by by that I mean it might be really not interesting. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, you and I've talked about this a little bit. If Georgetown's gonna have a potentially really really bad year, this is a good year for it to be done <laughs> because it's gonna go way under the radar. You know, college basketball people to some degree may know, hey, Georgetown's struggling in year four under Ewing, but by and large, it's going to get swept under the rug, not by fans who are listening to a, a podcast like this one, uh, only podcast anybody would, you know, would be listening to a Georgetown talk about. Um, and, um, and uh, but, you know, look, next year, like I said, the Ryan Batumbo, like this is a weird year. But it's better this year than than normal when everything is wide open and where everybody's paying attention and going, what the heck is happening? So I don't know. Maybe that's the silver lining. Fewer people hey, noticing. So speaking of doom, college basketball scrolling, Texas Southern is up on Washington State at the half, at the half, and our guy Galen Alexander, two points, five rebounds, one block. It's never ending. There's a million guys to check in on. And I guess I'm going to need people to tweet at me or leave comments and just say, do you want there to be a constant what's happening with former Hoyas segment or do you hate it? I can't decide which one is going to be more uh, popular. I do think that there's a certain, just a certain following that McClung's always going to have that I think that people sort of I, – I think it's going to be hard for people not to sort of look at that. And the fact that Texas Tech, the last time there was an NCAA tournament, they were the runner-up, and they're, you know, a consistent top 15 team at this time, that it's going to be hard to forget about him. If he had transferred to Vanderbilt, right, or, you know, something like that, it would have been easier. But I think he is uh, somewhere where people are always going to kind of know about it. Ben, do you remember – a piece of news, or not news, but we're at the Redskins game. Oh, sorry. Washington football game. I brought up Georgetown. Do you remember what I brought up? Who I brought up? Um, boy, we're talking about NBA take... free agency. Oh, Jeff Green? Greg Whittington. Oh, Greg Whittington, yes. Remember, we were, we, were, we were sort of, you know, there was like a break in the action and we were sort of talking, hey, you know, what what kind of sticks out with NBA free agency? And, you know, we said a couple things and I said, hey, you know what? I'm really surprised Greg Winnington hasn't gotten signed to at least a two-year deal because he's been blowing up overseas and, you know, he's got, you know, all that NBA type, all the boxes, you can kind of check them. 
And then it looks like it might be because Denver lost uh, a similar, you know, long forward that can kind of do everything in Grant, right? They lost him to where? Where did he go? Did he go to it? He went. He went somewhere. And then they picked him up. And you know, um, Greg Winnington posted a video of he was signing his two way contract, and Jonathan Wallace, who's in the Denver front office, was there with uh, the coach Malone. Uh, definitely a cool moment. I mean, I think you can remember the freshman year for Otto and Greg, most of the scouts were more into Greg Winnington. Maybe not most, but there were definitely some. Because I remember there used to be so many people at the games. I'd sit on the VOM a lot of times with uh, a lot of the uh, NBA scouts. And I'd always, you know, after a couple of minutes, be like, hey, who you, you know, who you, who you guys looking at? And it was always Winnington. So he's gone, you know, the injury he leaves Georgetown. He, you know, people thought he's going to Rutgers. I remember USJT three. What do you think about Greg Whittington going to Rutgers? And he looked at you. He's like, "Do you know he's going there?" And I think you said something like, "Well, I mean, that's that's what that's what, you know." Because JT three was like, "Let me know if he goes to Rutgers." So he's bounced around. He's, I mean, there's guys like him. I said this the other day when I had uh, Joe and Tyler from the Voice on. There's guys like him that don't resurface because it's hard and. You know, it's not like he graduated, or it's, it's not like he was—he he got out of college a couple of years ago. I mean, he was a class of 2015, so you know, it's been a couple of years. So I think it's—I, I, you know, I think it's easy to root for Greg for my interactions with him, and I think he's a really good basketball player. So I'm glad to see that happen. And of all the players from Georgetown that you think, okay, Monroe's out of the league, he's playing in Europe. You've got Jeff Green and Otto. Like those are your only two guys. Who's the next guy? And Winnington counts because he never played college basketball anywhere else. So, like, can you imagine that being the guy that gets the number back up, you know, from <laughs> from two to three? Yeah, that would be crazy. Uh, you know, I mean, it's you're right. I mean, uh, uh, to, to be away that, you know, on the outside of you know, the NBA landscape for that long to, to potentially have a shot is crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was always a huge Winnington fan um, when he signed. I uh, was was uh, speaking with somebody who who's with the Nuggets, and uh, uh, I I sent I told him about didn't figure he didn't know, but that uh, you know, I remember hearing John Thompson Jr. on his when he had his radio show when Whittington was a freshman say John Thompson Jr. not known for hyperbole said that Whittington could be based on his potential the best defender in program history. Yeah. which is an insane statement considering <laughs> yeah. the, you know, Patrick Ewing to start there, let alone M- 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 morning Matumbo, Gene Smith, pick your pick other guys, whatever. That, that was crazy. And, and that's, but it, it just showed you the potential he had. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see that it's happening and uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, uh, you know, under normal circumstances, you know, G league guys will get up and get some shots here and there. Denver's a, pretty pretty good team pretty deep team and um you know i don't know what opportunity he gets but again in a pandemic year who knows what's going to happen uh so maybe he's got a real shot but it's yeah it's wildly impressive that he was able to work his way into uh into a two-way after all this time it's good for him i hope i hope he makes the you know takes advantage of the opportunity yeah i thought that 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 was awesome and just in following him on i don't think it's twitter i think it's instagram but his, you know, he's had his highlights out there and all the stuff, all the accolades that he's gotten. And you can kind of, you know, research it yourself. And 
yeah, I think it's really easy to root for him. Um, and we can do that without even going back and doing a big what if, because we could do that. And next thing you know, we could be down a rabbit hole and <sighs> what could have, what could have been. So Ben, I want to thank you for coming on for the classic in your name. Um, I do apologize for getting your podcast wrong. I think we've covered everything. Uh, I think I think so. Um, our last question I have is, since we're talking right before Thanksgiving, are you pro-Turkey or anti-Turkey? This seems to be, every year this seems like a debate, and I'm always stunned by people's take on this. You, wait, like like eating turkey or like the philosophically yeah. like killing turkeys or like what are we like talking about? Like just yeah, like, like the taste tomorrow, of turkey. Com- yeah, t- yeah. I'm not talking about the country. I'm not talking about philosophy. I'm just saying no, tomorrow there's food the- at the table. Uh, do you, are, are you eating? Do you like the turkey or not like the turkey? I didn't know if you were gonna if you, this was like pro turkey rights or you know no, no turkeys turkey tur- turkey's great. Um, who has a problem with turkey? I, I don't know. All, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of crazy people have takes on Twitter, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like anti turkey stuff going on. <laughs> no, no, no stuffing pun intended there. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just I, I was I mean, look, I think you can have some dry turkey out there, but on the assumption that you know you're, you're eating a meal with somebody who knows how to cook it, now I'm not saying I do, but uh, I, I align myself with people who do typically. Um, the, you, you shouldn't have an issue. So I don't know. I'm just thinking if you're if you're one of these people who's, a, who's anti-turkey, uh, you know, you you either need to get get new people who know how to make some food, or you need to have a really you know sit down with yourself about your your, your priorities in life. You, you know, you, what, what are you doing? Yeah, last year we hosted, I'd say right around I don't know eighteen or so. Let's let's call it twenty people when you if you include kids and stuff, and. uh I made the turkey in the oven for the first time. It's pretty good. Usually I've been more of a passenger. Last year I was driving the truck. This year, obviously, it's really different. So we're not, you know, having that kind of a gathering. And I think about 10 years ago, maybe even longer, um, I used to be really big into tailgating. And my uncle... An aunt would always buy me something for the tailgate. I used to be really big RFK, DC United, even back in the day, FedEx Field. Like, just I like to, I like to tailgate. I like to get there early. I like to prepare. I like to have fun. And they got me a deep fryer, and I never used it, and it just sat there until today. I decided. Well, I decided like last week, but I got it out to make sure like it was going to work. You know, all that stuff. So it looks like it's going to work. But the more I'm researching this going to be a little bit more complicated than just dunking a bird into a deep fryer and then everything's great so i have to come back and let you know how this works out oh also also you know if you say okay i'm gonna have 15 people over for thanksgiving you google how much turkey like how big of a bird you should get you know there's like some formula whatever so i googled it for four people which is what we're having although one of those people is a three-year-old so like that doesn't really count so like four people, it's like, oh, you should get like six pounds or something like that, seven. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll just get eight. I go, I ask for eight. They're like, hey, idiot, 10 is the lowest we can give you. I'm like, okay, fine, 10, sure, whatever. Then you get there, like a week later, you order this, you know, butterball, fresh turkey. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, 
there's a national short or at least a regional shortage of 10 pound birds because everyone's having a smaller Thanksgiving. So here's a 15 pound one. So if you need to come over tomorrow and get some turkey, this is the place to be. We are going to have turkey coming out of our ears for basically three and a half people. Maybe my dog's going to get a ton of turkey. I don't know. But yes, I like turkey. All right, well, that's good to know, and I, I especially with the leftover aspect of that, I may uh, I may see you tomorrow night after the uh, the, the football games. But uh, yeah, well, we can't watch the Ravens game after that. I'll tell you that. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's only a doubleheader tomorrow, so. Uh, but that's all right. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's more time to catch up on like the Mandalorian or something, so we'll be fine. I need to. That's good. All right. Um... Do you want to pump up your podcast that I that I uh, said wrong? Sure, a standard room only podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that. Mostly talking Washington football team, but I've talked a bunch about the Wizards and all kinds of random stuff. Uh, of a fun podcast, I think coming up for uh, for Monday. So if you subscribe now, you will uh, be uh, be be ready to go. Should be good. I got to get Bobby on there at some point to talk uh, about these uh, basketball uh, things as well. Yeah, maybe before the Villanova game or Syracuse or whatever. I'll let I'll let you pick. Yes, everyone, thanks for tuning in to Kente Corner. So please subscribe and rate us. All the ratings are really nice. Oh, Ben, speaking of really nice, I did a pod with Joe and Tyler the other night from The Voice. Really, it's almost like we paid Joe to speak so highly of us. It's kind of it's kind of embarrassing. Highly of me and you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he was a very he was a very nice young man. It sounds like he <laughs> remains that way. So good, good, good on him and his parents. I wasn't sure if you'd been like you know sending him Venmo money or I, I wasn't sure what was going on there, but it was definitely the kind of the kind of uh, praise I don't I don't receive very often. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll get Ben back on here really quick. See you next time.